Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg. It's all been about Turkey and the president's silence this week amid the market bloodmath was remarkable. And so was his message when he finally resurfaced. President Erdogan saying, don't forget this. If they have got dollars, we have got our people, our right, our Allah. State media quoting the president as saying that coming from President Erdogan overnight and driving some significant weakness and a fragile global market. Joining us to discuss is Mark Chandler, Brown Brothers Harriman, head of currency. Mark, good morning to you. What a morning. Your thoughts on Turkey, please. Yeah, so uh, I, I think that there's really Turkey's in a, between a rock and a hard place. I think there's three possible courses of action for them, and none of them are very good. First, Turkey could make a bold announcement, and that would be to regain investor confidence. It's got to return to the orthodox policies that the investors, that those with money, value. And that is giving back the independence of the central bank, raising interest rates sharply, curb inflation, slow down the economy to bring the current account deficit back into closer balance. Let's they don't want to do that. Let's talk about management, Mark. The President Erdogan um, set to speak in the next hour. What kind of words does he need to drive towards an international audience? And the policies you talk yes. about, the central bank, what kind of policy do you want to see? A 500 basis point move on short rates? What do you need to see? Well, I, I think to regain confidence, it can't just be about interest rates, because think about what's happened. The plunge in the uh, in the Turkish lira, there's no level of interest rate that will compensate an investor for, say, a 10% slide in one week. The kind of overnight interest rate they have, 17 and three quarters percent, that's an annualized rate. We're talking about a currency that's plunging, say, 10% in the past week. So interest rates aren't enough. They've got to change policies. But they can also impose capital controls. But capital controls are a temporary measure just to buy some time to do the right thing. Yeah. Alternatively, they could go to the IMF, yeah. but the IMF will demand conditionality, which they cannot accept because it requires the return of their orthodox policies. So I think that Turkey is fighting a losing battle, and I think the Turkish leader is going to have to weaken further. Maybe, you know, we, we, you said we, we tested the sixth level today uh, after moving above five earlier in the week. I think we might have to be on our way towards seven, and then I think then the, the sort of the crisis mentality uh, default, uh, and this is why you got the euro making new, uh, new lows for the year today. And the dollar making new highs for the year as well and reports coming out of Turkey suggesting that the president now says Tom that Turkey is to prevail in economic warfare now the lira is prevailing right now we had to spike up almost touching six John the last time we were at six lira per dollar I'm eyeballing this with the official surveillance mouse on a Friday was 4:15 a.m. New York time yeah call it three hours we, ago. we've never seen this before well, but we've we've had a better tape over the last two or three hours, and that abruptly reversed off that single headline we see at seven zero zero. For anyone not familiar with the situation in Turkey at the moment, the ter- in terms of the management of the situation, it is the equivalent of President Trump putting Jared Kushner in charge of the tre- treasury. That is what's happened. It's the son-in-law running the treasury in Turkey right That's now. That's very harsh. It's, it's the equivalent. It's the equivalent of the president pushing out Jay Powell from the Federal Reserve and running monetary policy himself. I mean, that's how crazy the situation is in Turkey. I make light of it. For anyone here in the United States that isn't familiar with how badly this has been managed. 
And Mark Chandler, right. there's a real question coming from, from Financial Times reporting this morning, suggesting now that the ECB is concerned because there are several European banks with exposure to loans in Turkey and those loans are paid in what? Foreign currency. Does it become a little bit of a problem around the corner? How close are we, Mark? Well, I think that uh, the ECB is there, so it's watching things. And we're not talking about systemic risk in Europe. We're talking about uh, a handful of banks with substantial exposure at the most. Uh, this is not really affecting the outlook for the European Central Bank monetary policy, which you know they, they've indicated not going to raise interest rates for another year. And so, of course, the pressure on Turkey is part of, and the pressure on the euro today, is part of a larger picture of this divergence that's been favoring the dollar in any event. The reason we can make new lows in the euro today is because we were so close to them yesterday and the day before and the week before. Mark, within your study, and we should point out that Mr. Chandler has written two very thoughtful books on the astronomy of the political economic system. I don't think we understand, Mark, 20% interest rates and what that does to a society. How does a society work at a, I'm going to guess, 10% real rate or 12% inflation-adjusted rate? Yeah, and I think, I think you asked the right question. I think this is the, really the, the dilemma, not only for Turkey, but for other countries. And it reminds me of what Thomas Friedman, his book about the electors and the olive tree, talked about uh, many years ago. And that is that uh, given the mobility of capital, many countries are, have these golden straitjackets, which they do not pursue orthodox policies. They get punished. And this is what spurs people like Erdogan's uh, nationalism. It's, it's, it's sort of a battle between appeasing investors doing their orthodox policies, but at the same time, the unorthodox policies are, going to lead, are leading to high inflation, yeah. which is going to lead to a weaker economy. It's, 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 the people aren't going to win okay. either way. But, but Mark, I mean, I mean, folks, it's a log hyperbolic chart. I'll put a whole bunch of charts out today. I already put one out on standard deviations in Turkish lira. Let me cut to the non-mathematical uh, angle. Are we on the edge of Zimbabwe here? I think it's a bit early to say that. I think that... Uh, okay. Turkey is a much more diversified economy, much more integrated economy. But I think that right. in the bigger scheme, though, I think you're right that what we need to worry about is just, you know, many years ago, the EU has made it clear to Turkey in many different ways that it's not really going to be welcome as an EU member anytime soon. So Turkey's future, it's been turned away from the West, even though it's a NATO member. And so that leaves it with allies that we personally don't like. We in the U.S. don't like yeah. Russia, Iran. Where else is Turkey going to look to its future? And I think that the geopolitical issues here are probably bigger, longer lasting than the economics. Mark Chandler, thank you so much uh, with Brown Brothers Harriman. Greatly appreciate that away from his desk and his uh, advisement to Brown Brothers and Harriman uh, uh, clients. It's all For four minutes, folks, we got to do the most important interview you will hear into the weekend on Tesla. This is Teresa Goody, formerly, of course, with the Securities and Exchange Commission. She was personal counsel to Chairman Pitt in Washington, and she joins us now in private practice uh, with her uh, uh, Goody group. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us under uh, this incredible news flow that we have. What is Mr. Musk's decision point? this weekend. What does he need to do and think about to stabilize the Tesla story? Well, thank you for having me. And what he needs to do is is find a way to 
assimilate all of the information that he has to show that all of his tweets were true, assuming that they are true, and make that, disseminate that through the customary, ordinary means of disclosing information to your shareholders and to the marketplace through an 8K, through press releases, and get all this information out to the marketplace. Mr. Musk needs to clarify everything. Tesla now has a duty to clarify everything and just put full accurate information out there as to whether or not this right. offer is going forward, whether it's true statements and, right. <clears throat> um, and, and the company has this, has a duty now to do that as well. Teresa, two more questions if we could, before you're busy at work day, what should be the response of the board and particularly more visible board direct board of directors, such as James Murdoch, what is their to do list in a conference call during this Friday? I think that they also need to find whether or not everything that he said was true. And I think they also need to talk about using Twitter to disclose this type of information. You know, I've heard a lot of people reporting out how Twitter and social media has been okayed by the SEC as though it was unqualified. When the SEC came out and said you can use social media, it was very qualified. There is a rigorous analysis that, that goes under, that has to be undergone before you can put right. this kind of information out. So the board needs to be talking, figuring out why this happened, why he came out and said it this way. Did, it, was, right. did the board actually approve this? I don't think that they did. But they really need to find all of the facts and circumstances around this and get their arms around it. Right. And then they need to, to get it out in the marketplace. Teresa, one more question, if we can, within the crushing news flow uh, this morning. The criticism of your SEC when you worked there was always, you guys are too slow, too slow, too slow. Defend the Securities and Exchange Commission process. The process is going to be a little bit different in this case because my understanding is there was already an investigation underway, in which case they are broadening an already existing investigation so they can much move much more quickly. I think that may be one reason why we've heard reports that they've already, the SEC has already been getting information, out, requests out there, and they've already started this inquiry process mm -hmm. because usually the SEC has to start with, it's a more slow process to start. And there's a lot of checks and balances that take place, but this has been able to move more swiftly. So a full investigation that is fair and takes into consideration all of the many different rules that are, that are taking place, that are, that are in play here, as well as everything that's taken place and all of the facts. Right. It takes a while to go through that. So any investigation is going to take considerable time. Right. But I think they're moving very swiftly in this case, if they indeed have already requested information. Well, Teresa Goody, thank you so much. Under huge news flow this morning, Ms. Goody, of course, formerly with the Securities and Exchange Commission, working with Chairman Pitt, and now with their company and consultancy in uh, Washington. <music> Finance Minister of Turkey talking about budgetary discipline, structural reforms, and then as Lira weakened, he moved over finally to what people want to know, Megan, which is an anti-inflation fight and GDP growth, not alternatives. How do you do, uh, Megan, in your textbooks, how do you do an anti-inflation fight as a non-alternative with an imploding crisis? Yes, yeah, so the, the only way to get out of this this what is it now a currency crisis is the high rate 
massively. That is the only way. And then accept that you're going to go into a recession. Um, and, and everyone doesn't want to do that. Um, and I don't really see him betting on that. There's some talk about, you know, Turkey maybe going to the IMF instead, but the IMF is going to demand the same thing. So absent that, um, I don't know how Turkey gets out of this. Um, certainly what the finance minister has been talking about, sort of his philosophy is not what investors are looking for. I think mm-hmm. they want to see talk of rates going up, but I think they'd also need to see some personnel changing. And and to be honest, uh, you know, son-in-law as finance minister would be a key candidate to change. With your with your London background, you're a, 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 a astute on the allies of Turkey. Who is Mr. Erdogan's friend in Europe? So there are a couple smaller European countries that he's trying to cozy up to. But in terms of real players with real money, um, you know, he who he would need on his side would be Germany, probably, if he's looking for any real backstop. Um, relations between Germany and Turkey have, have been falling yes. significantly. Um, I would say, though, that Turkey does have one card to play with Europe, and that's the refugee deal that was struck a couple of years ago. So Turkey could say, look, I need more money if you really want me to stop refugees at our border rather than opening the floodgates, um, because it would pose huge problems for Merkel in particular if you did have refugees start flowing into Europe. Our relations with Turkey are not good at this time, exclamation point, finishes the president's tweet on sanctions, and yet that folds into political economics and the knock-on effects. What are the knock-on effects to London and to the European economies of this U.S.-Turkey tension? So I think the knock-on effects for the U.S. and Turkey tensions is just a general rejiggering of, um, of allies. So Turkey's now actually cozying up to Russia um, and Iran, potentially. So there's, there's, yeah. there's just a total rewrite of um, who's actually an ally of who. And, of course, that's been called into question um, most notably right. by Germany with respect to the U.S., right? We're, we're not obvious allies anymore. So I think there is a redrawing of that map. If you're just joining us, Megan Green with us of Man Your Life. Let me do a data check, and uh, Jonathan, help me here with the, the repeat of the Trump tweet. First on the data, negative 13. Dow futures, uh, S&P futures earlier were negative 16. There's a true stability within the risk off versus uh, Turkey, and you see that in yen, 111.00 did not strengthen off of the Trump tweet, uh, as we see Turkish lira, it's 6.24 and has gone through the early 2 a.m. weakness as well. Gold doesn't move all that much. And I'm watching the German two-year yield uh, moving more negative hours ago and right now with some German two-year yield uh, stability. Jonathan, review that important tweet again that was market moving. Uh, Well, basically what it boils down to is the President of the United States has authorized a doubling of tariffs on Turkey steel and aluminum. Let me read you the direct tweet. I've just authorized a doubling of tariffs on steel and aluminum. Megan Green says I have to say aluminum, aluminum, even though the president wouldn't say that. With respect to Turkey as their currency, the Turkish lira slides rapidly downward against our very strong dollar. He also Continue. goes on to say our relations with Turkey are not good yeah. at this time. So it's almost like <clears throat> fire, yeah. can of gasoline. We're going to continue to follow this, but with Megan Green, we must divert to her Financial Times essay of the other day, which Megan really, really plays into asset management in the bombshell from Fidelity of a a week ago that they will offer a set of funds 
fee-free that are index funds. You have studied our wave of passive passive investing and its effects. Discuss that, please. Yeah, sure. So we've had a huge change in market structure over the past decade towards passive investing, and that's index funds, ETFs, but also kind of AI quant funds. And what all these different funds have in common is they're completely price agnostic. They don't care about fundamentals at all. So they, they're not waiting for my analysis of CPI data today to trade, for example. They don't care why markets move. They just care that they do. And there's a huge piling on effect. When a strategy works, everybody jumps into it. Or when a stock goes up, all the ETFs load up on more of that stock. And so stocks that are doing well get disproportionately bought on the way up. But that means that on the way down, they'll right. probably just be disproportionately okay. sold. And there will be a liquidity crunch, I think, in a downturn. Let's go mathy here. If they go up and they go down, is it a symmetric dynamics like a bell curve or a Gaussian space? Or are there some log normal joys here that makes going down more painful? So I think in good times, they provide a lot of liquidity. But in in bad times, I think it might be symmetric, actually. They they provide as big a risk to liquidity um, as, they, as they contribute to liquidity on the way up. And and the, the impact of that on growth, though, is much bigger. Yeah. So if you get a liquidity crunch, it's not clear who's going to step in. Is it really going to be banks um, who are being the market makers? When times are good, I'm not sure that they'll be willing to or if they can. So if you get a huge liquidity crunch, um, the Fed could maybe step in, but that could have huge impacts, um, not just on the markets, but on economic growth as well. So if we get the the start of a downturn, um, funds could really exacerbate it. Megan, 20 seconds. Can the Red Sox sustain 700 baseball? Yes. Definitely. Thank I think you. So, as long as I keep going to their games because they keep winning when I'm there. That's so very good. Megan Green, <laughs> thank you so much for that. And we say good morning, Boston 1061 FM. She is with Manulife, which has a nod to a firm called John Hancock, I should say, in Boston. As all. Josh Brown's wisdom is perfect to speak to Phoenix Kalen of SockGen right now, who's expert in emerging market. Phoenix, to Josh Brown's wisdom there, why are we so upset about Turkish lira if it's so small? Well, I think still in, in terms of the debt markets, it's quite sizable, and a lot of investors have exposures to Turkish assets, both on the currency side, equities, and across fixed income as well. Um, and I think more importantly, it's, it's very strategic to the whole global security infrastructure in terms of you know, where we stand in the U.S. versus NATO and our relationship with our, our European peers. And so it, it plays such a regional um, – it's such a regional critical importance to that yeah. infrastructure. What is the symbolism of seven lira per dollar? We're spiked out to 6.87. We've come back since you started talking. Phoenix Kalen single-handedly strengthening lira right now. Is there a big deal to seven lira per dollar? There is. Um, that's typically the, the level at which the capital um, adequacy buffers of the Turkish banks get eroded to the minimum required levels. Um, and so the, they'll run out of capital. They'll need to face um, lots of considerations around what they'll do to protect cap- capital. And that means cutting dividends. That means curbing lending appetite. Um, and that can accelerate the, right. the economic um, contraction in Turkey. 
Yen 110.89, yen strength, the Dow negative 167, S&P negative 16. The VIX moves a stick in 38, 1.38 points, 12.65. Pim? Phoenix, uh, does this mean that Turkey's going to have to pay a visit to the International Monetary Fund in Washington? Well, I think that is one possibility, but it does not look likely because, well, we've seen already that the U.S. has um, is trying to pass a bill through Congress to uh, restrict Turkey's ability to access international financial institutions like the IMF or the World Bank or even the, the EBRD. So I think the, the veto power that the U.S. has is quite imposing, and they can place a lot of conditionality around any IMF packages that might be eventually awarded to Turkey. And I, I don't think that's a palatable situation for, for the Turkish population. Does the decline in the Turkish lira affect other emerging market currencies? Well, certainly today we are seeing some contagion across markets, um, across Russia, across South Africa. So the dollar block is getting disproportionately hit. Um, but overall, the, the amount of linkages that we have seen over the past several months between Turkey mm. and the rest of EM has has decoupled essentially it's, it's weakened so there's less contagion than we might have experienced in years previously so that's of some comfort to emerging market investors any opportunities in emerging markets as a result of today's sell-off in the lira so i think we're we're seeing um a lot of valuation dislocations in, in places like South Africa. I think that's still um, a, a very attractive place to invest in, especially on the fixed income side, if you hedge out your currency exposure, um, especially given the the kind of normative economic policies that um, the Ramaphosa administration is trying to put in place. Within all of this, everybody has to regroup. What's going on right now as we write for the weekend in EM strategy and what's going on right now in global wall streets, EM desks. There's, I mean, is there a lot of sweat out there? Are people worried about Red Sox Yankees? What's going on? Well, I think what we've seen today with president Erdogan's speech and with um, president Trump's tweets in re retaliation is, is a lot of, further posturing. I think there's still a lot that we're not seeing behind the scenes in terms of still diplomatic channels yeah. being opened and further but negotiations. Are you, are you, you know, you're, you're one who does sophisticated trades, as you just discussed on South Africa. Are you constructing trades today or are you going to take an early lunch? I mean, what's the action that pros do on a day like this? On a day like this, you have to sit back and watch. All the forecasts go out the window. There we go. Um, it's not a time to. <laughs> it's not a time to put on trades because your the moves are magnitude orders yeah. magnitude higher than your stop losses. You can go to lunch with it's, Kid it's, Jukes, right? <laughs> uh, Phoenix, uh, if, as you say, the decline in the Turkish lira will affect other emerging market currencies, or at least some of them, are there other emerging market economies that have similar structure that would be affected because they cannot repay their dollar-denominated debts because their currency is fast devaluing against the U.S. dollar? Um, a lot of the, the places where there are vulnerabilities um, you know, previously we would talk about the Fragile Five, for instance. Um, a lot of those places have reduced their external vulnerabilities dramatically over the past five years um, since the taper tantrum, and they've made a lot of progress. So I think, you know, there, there are a few places remaining, like Turkey, Argentina, 
where these these vulnerabilities are still high and persistent. Phoenix, thank you so much. Phoenix Kalen with us with Sakjan this morning. Very, very uh, valuable as well. We are thrilled to bring you, as we just spoke with Phoenix Kalen of Sakjan, her colleague in crime, Kit Jukes, who has seen this before. Mr. Jukes, we have a certain ancient to us where you and I have seen this. How correlated are we right now, and what's different this time? Um, well, I guess you know if, if this is the biggest single-day move in a, in a, I mean, a major traded currency and Turkish lira does get traded it's since since probably 2008. I can't I can't think of a, uh, an alternative candidate. Um, and if I look at it in that sense. Um, this is still, while it's getting a bit more correlated at the moment, it, it's still less correlated than we have been used to, you and I, over the over the last decade. So um, much so, but all sorts of assets are looking as if um, they're, they're correlating and, and stocks are down and volatility is up and the yen is strong and gold prices are higher uh, and the dollar is strong against everything, including the euro. Much as though a lot of that is going on, um, it's still less correlated than, than you would have thought for that. That's, you know, look at it as it is, a 15% on the day fall yeah. by the lira. One of the things that's different, and I've got a chart up, folks, of Indonesian rupiah back a zillion years, and I'm going to do a Bloomberg percent change on this. And long ago and far away, in the course of a week or so, in 1997, 98, we enjoyed 128% weakness in Indonesian rupiah from 2,500 out to, um, uh, uh, excuse me, 557% uh, uh, weakness, Indonesian rupiah. We didn't have the president of the United States piling on kit. How critical is it that President Trump chooses to pile on a turkey flat on its financial back? Well, it, it you know it, it makes it it makes it more personal in the eyes of the market on on both sides. The you know the, 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 some of this is is a, there's an underlying economic problem with the size of the current account deficit and the, the the need to reassure foreign investors that you're not going to slap on capital controls and that you are going to run uh, a credible monetary policy to to encourage them to to finance your construction industry. Um, but but some of it has become, you know, not personal, but it's become a spat between two countries and two leaders, with neither side wanting to um, wanting to, to to give in at this point in time, and and that just leaves I think investors in the middle feeling extremely nervous. Um, well, on, on that specific issue. Kit Jukes, uh, with your experience, can you describe what it would be like in the meeting rooms of BBVA and Unicredit and BNP Paribas today? They're among some of the biggest lenders to Turkey in the European Union. I think today for anybody for anybody implicated, I mean, part of the problem is, you know, again, when, when you have a 15 percent move in a currency on a day and you know that, you know, the, the response may be a it may be a very aggressive interest rate rise, although the hints are not that way. It, it may be just to kind of tough it out for a while and hope it's OK, which hasn't gone well today. Um, you know, but what do you do before the weekend? Do. You can't necessarily do much. There's not many things. You know, in the past, if we if we went back to the, the taper tantrum, that the fund managers 
who were concerned about was what was happening as, as that started, that they sold other emerging market currencies, if you remember, in 2013 to get some kind of a partial hedge. So, so wherever it started, once the bond market was selling off in, in the U.S., people started selling Brazilian real, South African rand, Turkish lira then as well, but they, they chose the big liquid emerging market currencies and sold them across the board. So in a sense, at the moment, the people directly affected with this, um, they have a problem, they have a problem with, with assets in Turkey, and, and they, it's not entirely clear that there's a, a really clever hedge by going out and selling the rand. So the rand is down, but it's you know, it's not keeping up. On the rand's down 2.7 percent on the day. That, that's a seventh of the move in the Turkish lira. Does the fact that Turkey uh, remains a member of NATO and that it is involved in political and military issues in the Middle East does that complicate the ability of an investor to figure out whether their investments are money good? Um, it, it's, I'm not sure it's it complicated. I mean, there's lots of complicated bits. And certainly if, if access for Turkey to the large international institutions gets limited, um, that complicates it. If, if you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm, you know, Turkey is politically important, geopolitically important. It's economically important, um, both in the region and it's, it's, it's a player. So there are, there are huge complications out of uh, a deepening spat between Turkey and the United States. Um, but for for someone who's for someone who's got money at risk in the country, um, mm. you know that they're trying to work out what they can do to hedge anything. And, and actually, on a day like today, the answer is right. not, not necessarily a great deal. Can you, if you don't take, if you don't have the courage to take a position on lira, weak or short, can you go to other currency pairs to take a position, or is it just I, so risky you don't? I think people are, I mean, there is clearly some contagion. Everything in Latin America is down this week now, and, and um, it, it's the big liquid one. So Brazil is down. Mexico, which has been very popular, is down. Uh, the RAND's popular. But, you know, don't look too much further and say this is why we've taken Eurodollar through 115 and we're, we're, driving right. it, we're driving it down. There was a technical yeah. level in place. There's a head and shoulders formation to push. Right. And the market is pushing. Okay. Well, you got to go back to Sterling here because, Kate, you've been so kind to be with us in your London uh, afternoon. Arsenal, Manchester City. What is it? This weekend, Kit? It's uh, Sunday, 4 p.m. my time. Are you like it's a gold-level guy? Like, are you down, you know, like throwing the ball in? He has to sit on the concrete down, or Are you up in the cheap seats? Uh, I'm 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 in perfectly nice seats. Thank you very much. With, oh, my, oh, with my daughter this weekend. Oh, with your daughter. Very good. Are you going to feel more brokeified there because Sterling's at one twenty-seven forty-five? Uh, I've I've seen Sterling go up and down against it. I'm I'm still more concerned about what's happening to Sterling against the euro. But um, right. I, I, I'm pr frankly right now uh, I'm going to be looking at what's happening to the euro and worrying that I might see. I might see sterling at 125 next week if euro dollar breaks through 140. What, what does that mean for UK society with a 125 euro? I was 125 dollars. You know what? $25. Literally, in terms of it not moving too much, I think it, it's going to um, it's going to principally make this a place where we have a huge number of American tourists in town at the moment. Right. Um, all of them getting rained on today, but we, we, this will be tourist full. I will probably have American friends arriving on plane loads asking me if they can come and watch the best football team in England. Okay. What's, what's your most important bet right now? What is your currency pair? Uh, this is a Pim Fox question. What's your currency pair of great interest right now, Mr. Jukes? Um, 
they're all a bit marginal in the sense that I, I think we're supposed to belong the yen against things like the Korean won because this, this, this volatility will pick up at this point. I think we're supposed to be short the pound against things like the Swedish krona or the Norwegian krona. In other words, things that have been held back by the euro but, but are not the euro. They don't okay. have the same political problems. Thank you to you and Phoenix Kalen for making us smarter today from Society Generale. Mr. Jukes, who provides wisdom and will have a PIM, a, seriously, a hugely anticipated early Monday morning note for all Bloomberg U.S. investors. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Subscribe and listen to interviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. I'm on Twitter at Tom Keen. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio. 